Welcome to The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell alongside Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, where what we do here is to try to help you know the difference between fact and fiction, myth and rumor, right and wrong, all manner of stuff. Dave, Welcome back on the podcast after a brief hiatus. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Thank and it's you. not like anything has been going on in, in the time since thanks. we <laughs> talked. Uh, just when we're talking, we're recording this Monday, April 25th. And as of this moment in time right now, Elon Musk is on the verge of taking over Twitter. This moved incredibly rapidly. Last week, we thought that Elon Musk was not going to get Twitter. They were going to adopt mm-hmm. a poison pill. They were going to, you know, beat back his hostile takeover bid. Now it seems as though after the the board sat down with Musk and uh, their meeting today, and we think within a couple of hours they are going to announce a deal. What, what do you make of this? I mean, I we talk about this in my world, Dave. You know, I do the, the daily radio show. We talk about this from the political angle, from the free speech angle, from the idea that, that Twitter is the new digital town square that the founders envisioned when they were crafting the First Amendment to the Constitution. What does this mean from a purely business standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's bring it. I think that's a great way to break it apart is what is the economic impact and how is this happening? So first of all, he was making this bid and you know he's got he's got the cash to do it. You know, forty six billion dollars. And obviously you divide that by the number of outstanding shares and you get based on that number, forty six billion, some number. And that comes out to fifty dollars or so per share. And so one of the things they did is they put in what's called a, quote, poison pill, which kind of discourages this from happening from one outside investor. The second thing they can do is stagger their seats. So even if you get all of the shares, there is this board of directors who may not allow you to do the things that you want to do. So they stagger the seats. So even if you got two seats, you're going to have to wait another two, you know, couple of years, two years to get the next two seats, so on and so forth. So it could take you a long time to truly get control of, you know, you may have the shares. And you think about it being a private company, even though you have the shares, if someone tells you you can't do something, you probably can't do it. His answer to that is to make it a private company, is to have it delisted. And so that's one of the things that, that we're looking at. So economically, we know the number. And then what he did, by the way, which is interesting, is the shareholders, most of the time for these publicly traded companies, Dan, their shareholders are institutions. So you go to ABC Mutual Fund Company, who has you know $100 billion position in this, and you go to that mutual fund manager, and he did that. He started going to the institutions, the hedge funds, the mutual fund companies, and tried to woo them. It looks like it might have worked. So that's the business part of it. Number one, we know the number. It's above what it's trading at here uh, on Monday. Number two, do they delist it and does it go away as a publicly traded company? Those are two likely options if this goes through. That's the business side. The second side, the more important side is, in my opinion, is does he make it more of a town square? Mm -hmm. And that for you... Right, and what you do on a daily on a daily basis is, is talk to listeners. That daily 
conversation, I think, is the more important part, not the economic part. Well, and that's why Musk, in the first place, wanted to buy this. It's not as though, you know, Twitter, he could get it $15 a share and take it to 145 The money has right. sort of already been made. I mean, Twitter is not going to suddenly uh, pop up to $85, $90 a share. He- no, no, but he can he can unlock value, right? Because he, he can find ways to monetize. When you have that many people on your system, you can find options to monetize. Well, but here's, here's the they- question, and this is sort of an unknown. I, I'm on Twitter right now, and the number two trend on Twitter is hashtag delete Twitter. Mm-hmm. Another top trending topic in the United States, leave Twitter. Cancel culture. Another another top trending topic, I'm not kidding you, is goodbye Twitter. And these are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. You're right, it is cancel culture, right? They're they're attempting to cancel Twitter. They're attempting to make it just a a right-wing echo chamber. So, okay, well, you can have your precious free speech. Nobody's going to be on Twitter. Do, uh, Do you think that's possible i mean how many times have we heard from sure. conservatives where say well i'm going to leave twitter for and insert the the upstart rival to twitter getter uh telegram parlor was one trump's truth social oh we're going to leave we're going to leave everyone who is on those platforms every verified conservative user still has a twitter profile primarily because it's it's such a big platform the potential audience is so big and twitter for people in my business essentially operates as sort of like the old associated press news ticker you get news mm-hmm. quite literally as it's happening from all over the world my question is how many people are saying right now to virtue say, oh, yes, I'm leaving Elon Musk's right-wing hate machine as soon as he buys it, but really when sort of the dust settles, they don't. I- I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a whole lot of parallels between, remember a couple months ago when the most evil person in the world wasn't Elon Musk, but it was Joe Rogan, and every yeah. liberal in the world was going to leave Spotify because they didn't get rid of Joe Rogan? Well, Joe mm-hmm. Rogan is still on Spotify, and I have not heard of a great exodus from Spotify. Do you think we see the same thing with Twitter? Well, I think you're going to have people who, who are not going to participate anymore. But a lot of people, as you well know, go to Twitter to read it. And they don't have to be one of those crazy pre- people who, you know, who post every, every second. And you, know, you look at the math, and the po- people who post is a small percentage. And they are the mass of people who, who are, are out there tweeting. But more importantly, they, I would say in your business, there are conservatives who listen to MSNBC. They go and go, what, are, what in the heck are these people talking about? And they listen to that. So I do think even, you know, even if this happens, there are going to be people on the other side of the aisle who are going to listen. But this is his point. I think his whole interest in this company is to is to increase the discourse because yeah. what you know if you listen to Fox you don't listen to MSNBC and if you listen to MSNBC Fox is evil and if you you know if you're on you know one conservative station you don't listen to the liberal station it's an echo chamber and that was what to me is the argument that he's making think about all the great things that he has done in his life including you know, obviously the you know the rockets and the battery powered cars and so on he is you know he's a kind of a Thomas Edison of our age right but here is an opportunity to increase the discourse i think that's the most important part 
if it can happen. Oh, without question. I mean, it, and I think Musk doesn't necessarily see this as something that's uh, going to quite literally go to the moon like SpaceX and, and you know, Tesla stock, which just has been so powerful for so many years and such a big moneymaker that he sees his investment as something deeper and, and doing something. Because Musk has always sort of been a guy who's not just about – uh, I don't want to say just about himself, but returning value to shareholders or things like that. I mean, he is a big thinking guy. You got to be yep. thinking big to go from electric cars to, oh, hey, we're going to put rockets into space now. This is, I mean, this yeah. this is a guy who's but- constantly thinking about the the future of where humanity is and where right. humanity and, 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 oh go ahead please and that's the thing and, and that's the thing then i mean that is that's the big thinking idea that it, it it will increase discourse now you personally have gone through an, you know, a situation with with you know these platforms who don't allow you or discontinue your uh, opportunity to go ahead and talk yeah. and we saw it the most powerful man in the world yes. uh, the, the president of the united states and they can shut it down so I think that's the argument. I mean, you you personally have gone through Yeah, a bunch of times. I've been suspended three times on YouTube. What was amazing to me, and, and this is sort of a tell, is I say unallowable stuff on YouTube pretty much every day, right? One of my suspensions was when I had Senator Ron Johnson on to talk about a vaccine panel he was doing. Another suspension was when I had Rebecca Clayfish on to talk about a lawsuit she had filed against the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Now, why is it that both of those interviews with Republicans running for elective office in 2022 in arguably the key swing state in America aren't allowed, whereas if some dumb radio jamoke like me says the exact same stuff, perfectly fine. This is another one of the big things that Musk is sort of talking about, the weaponization of censorship and the the control of access to information has been used as a political bludgeon by uh, the, the, the same left that had been in almost monopolistic control of that flow of information before the rise of social media that sort of democratized the process. And I've, I've sort of been pointing out the irony, Dave, of the same people who are saying democracy, democracy, democracy in, in Ukraine post-January 6th, democracy, 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 don't want the access to information to be democratized. And that's exactly yeah. what an open social media network like Twitter would do. And that's what, and that's the hope, and that's the reason why there is some excitement about the idea is that it opens up the conversation. And I have people in my family that are far left, and and you know people who who know me know I'm I'm not far left, right? So I can have these conversations, and we can have discourse to a point until they get pissed off. Right? So, <laughs> and then you but, get you know, but think of, I mean, you know. Yeah, you get, but, but think about family members. There's yeah. so oh, yeah. many family members that we know who won't, they won't go to Thanksgiving dinner right. and they won't have this conversation. So if this succeeds in the idea to open the discourse, it could be very, very helpful. Yeah. So obviously, main story, there's no doubt that that's talking about it, but there's a lot of other stories that are happening, particularly this week. And as we said, this is this is on Monday the 25th that we're doing this, this week, one-third 
of the S&P 500 companies are going to report their earnings. And everyone knows that every quarter, publicly traded companies have to say, you know, here's our report card. You know, this is what we did in revenues, this is what we did in net income. And then they make a projection of going forward what it's going to be like. It's going to be very telling. We think that earnings are going to be above expectations, above what the analysts told us. That's not the key. The key is going to be the guys who are sitting around in the boardroom, the CEOs and the CFOs who make these reports, what they're going to say about the next 90 days and the next uh, six months because of inflation, uh, because of the political situation, because of the macro. You've got a war. You've got China shut down. That's going to be key on how these companies report and what they expect going forward. Yeah, inflation is really sort of the undercurrent of pretty much everything. We were told uh, transitory inflation back in, what, May of 2021. I mean, the Biden administration was telling, oh, it's transitory. And Yellen come out and say, I think in, in February, when Larry Summers was warning in the pages of the Washington Post, hey, uh, all of this stimulus is probably going to cause inflation. Ah, she says, we got it. We got we got it taken care of. I've dealt with inflation before. And a year later, year and change yeah, later, they, it's it's obviously not egg on their inflationary. Face, yeah, they have they have egg on their face. And you and I have talked about this is, you know, all it was a year ago. It was it was it was almost May of last year. Uh, a friend of mine had a birthday luncheon in the room he invited his friends and you know it was about a dozen guys who ran companies you know at some level CEO CFO type of thing and the conversation of inflation came up and all of them to a person said this is not transitory and because of two things number one when you put that kind of money money supply and print that kind of money that circulates that's inflationary we saw that happening the second thing that is more permanent and not transitory is you had to pay more for help right pay more for your employees those wages are stickier rents went up those are stickier and as as those rents rolled off People raise the rents. Those aren't going back down when the supply chain eventually breaks down or, or in this case, clears up. So we want the supply chain to clear up. That's going to be good. Higher interest rates are going to slow down demand. Inflation could get uh, uh, more under control, but there are parts that are going to push on. The Fed is in really a tricky spot. And and I'll tell you, Dan, I've been doing this mm, 37 years now. And in my career, interest rates have always gone down. Think about it since 1980, where we were. So there is going to be a whole generation of people who haven't seen a rising rate environment and what that's going to do to a portfolio. And that is really what it's exciting time uh, to be managing money and managing wealth. But this is the time to know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. So really appreciate all our time together, Dan. Another great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, By the way, you you do need to go to AnnexWealth.com because while it's an exciting time, it can also be for people like me who, you know, are sort of younger investors and, you know, don't remember. I, I truly don't remember an era where you would have uh, interest rates rising and the impact on the overall economy. I think we're about to get into that environment. Again, certainly, we're not going to see 13, 14 percent interest rates. But when inflation rates rise, it can be a real scary time. And that's why I can't recommend highly enough you head to AnnexWealth.com, get a fee-only fiduciary who's working with and for you, get that fee, or excuse me, get that free portfolio review. And as you said, Dave, understand what you own and why you own it. Always appreciate the conversation. 
we record these pretty much every Monday, and it's always fun to go more in depth on the issues that impact your life, your bottom line. I'm Dan O'Donnell for Dave Spano. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.